You're listening to a North Valley Community Church podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at northvalleychurch.org. Good morning. Good to be with you guys. Well, the first service went great. You probably saw my guilt email that came out and said, hey, last call. If you want to come to church, you better come. And so, yeah, we can celebrate that. It went great. It was awesome. Yeah, I, got a, I saw some guy last week, and I said to him, I said, hey, bud, I said, man, I, I haven't seen you at church like in a year, you know, it's been a long time. And uh, he said, well, you busted me, pastor, you caught me. He said, yeah, I agree, you know, and I said, what's, I just need to know, like, how you doing? Like, what's going on? I, I see your wife. I don't see you. And he said, well, to be honest with you, I got real comfortable on the couch eating Cheerios, sitting in my PJs and just watching you guys online. And I was like, get to church, bud. He said, I'm going to be there. So he came, and uh, we're excited about that. So we're seeing a bunch of new faces. For those of you online are going to join us next week, we're glad that most everybody's showing back up. So that's really good. So we're making it through this thing called a pandemic. And so today, what I'm going to do is talk to you and teach you about the importance of uh, being a bold witness in, in, in what I'm going to call our own Babylon. So uh, if you got a Bible, go ahead and open it up. Daniel chapter 1, verses 1 through 21. That's what we're going to work through. And today it's about being a witness. Let me tell you a story about one of my first witnessing opportunities. I was in the third grade. Grew up in church. Dad told me that I should be a witness. Mom told me I should be a witness. I go to a really bad, bad school. I'm in this bad school. I'm getting on the bus. We're going to the Nutcracker. You ever heard of the Nutcracker? It's this big theatrical play, Christmas play. I'm third grade, Ryan Rice, getting on this this bus, and the worst kid in the whole school, right? Always earns a reputation. Everybody knows who he is. They can name him by first name, last name. They've seen him in 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 the hallway. They've seen him at detention. He gets in trouble at recess. That's this guy. His name, I'll never forget it, is Ivory. And I remember I'm sitting on the bus. I'm a little bit of a shy kid. It was a new school I wasn't used to. Third grade, get on the bus, sitting on the bus. My dad just told me I should be a good witness for for the family and for Jesus. So I'm like, all right, I'll do that. So sitting there, and there's only one seat left on the bus. And then I see a scuffle outside of the bus. And guess who it is? It's Ivory. And the teacher says, Son, you're going to have to get on this bus over here. The bus driver says, no, uh, there's no more room. I'm sorry. We are packed out. And I'm like, whoo, I do not want Ivory sitting next to me because it was the only seat open. And then some kid, loudmouth kid goes, no, there's one more seat over there. And I'm like, no. And Ivory comes walking down that thing and he's like cussing and hitting people as he goes. And the teacher's yelling at him. The bus driver's like, oh. Sit down, shut up. You know, that was back in the day when people yelled shut up and we got spankings with paddles. Anybody ever got a spanking from your principal? I got lots of them. I broke a paddle on my hiney. Went one time into the principal's office and he goes, What are you wearing there, bud? And I had two wallets in each pocket. <laughs> I, today we don't spank like that anymore. You know, it's like, no, child abuse. But anyway, I deserve some whoppings. So that day, I was trying to be a good Christian boy, and I decided I was going to share about Jesus, and I was terrified. 
And so Ivory comes to the uh, sit on the bus. He's slapping kids and like literally like spitting on them as he's moving by. I mean, he's a bad kid. I mean, I told you I was bad. This is bad, bad. And so I'm sitting there and I'm like, dead gummit, Lord, uh, you know, um, I don't want to do this, but I'm going to do it for you. So I'm going to make dad proud. And so he sits down. He's like cussing and yelling and causing a ruckus. And the bus driver stands up, big why, everybody, we're going to the nutcracker and we're going to love it. You know, and the kids are terrified. So we get there, we get on the bus and Ivory just looks at me and goes, what are you looking at? And I'm like, nothing. And then he's like, what's your problem? And I'm like, I don't know what to say. And all I could remember is my dad told me to be a witness. So I said, Ivory, do you know Jesus? And he goes, boy, bam, blood. And I'm like sitting there like, (laughs) I am like, literally, I've never been hit that fast in my life. And I've said from that day on, I'm never sharing about Jesus ever again. And then I became, it took me literally like 20 years to talk about Jesus to anybody else. After I became a Christian, like I wasn't a Christian back then. Uh, after I really became a Christian, I was like, I remember the youth pastor and the leaders were like, you need to be sharing about Jesus. And everything I could see was Ivory going to come get me, man. Where's Ivory? Um, I hope Ivory's in heaven. I hope Ivory's a Christian. I hope I'll see him in heaven. Um, I shared Jesus with him. Remember another time I was, uh, I used to be a guide for uh, Waco uh, Tanks in Texas. It's a a world-renowned international climbing spot. And uh, this guy named Dean Potter, check him out, Google him. Um, He was, uh, he's a pro climber. He died uh, uh, in the years past of doing what they call a squirrel suit. You ever seen one of those? They, they, get, they literally put on a, like a flying squirrel suit. Like if you're putting on a flying squirrel suit, alert, that's a problem. But he would jump off cliffs and then fly down. And he was one of the first guys that ever did a free solo on um, El Cap and these big, uh, uh, these big climbs out in Yosemite and all throughout California. Well, um, one day I'm guiding out there during my college break and this guy, my grandma's couch uh, was there at my brother's house. It was a a Todd Skinner's old place. He's a pro climber too. And my brother bought it and and we had this guiding service and I was one of his guides. And this pro climber is laying on the couch and he's so long, his feet are hanging off. I didn't know he was a pro climber. And then his girlfriend was Steph Davis. She's a pro climber. They're all famous people. Like, I don't know who they are. So I'm like, hey man, you're on my grandma's couch. Wake him up. And my brother's like, bro, that is a pro climber. Like, I don't care. He's on my grandma's couch. We don't need to sleep on that couch. So anyway, long story short, I take him climbing. At the end of the day, he says to me, Ryan, um, are you a Christian? I said, I am a Christian. I said, tonight when we get back to the house, I'm going to share you, I'll share with you my testimony, Dean. I spent an hour and a half sharing my testimony with this guy. He was into Buddhism, Hinduism, all sorts of new age stuff. And I shared all about Jesus and how Jesus changed my life. And I was laying in bed some, uh, about a year or two ago, and I had no idea because I'd kind of unplugged from the climbing world. And I, uh, I'm laying in bed with my wife, about to go to bed, probably about to preach the next morning. And I'm watching like squirrel suit flyers. And then this headline comes up, Dean Potter dies. And I say to my wife, sweetie, no, this is my friend. Like, I shared Jesus with this guy. 
he's dead. How long has he been dead? And I dig through and I find out he had died a couple years and I just missed it. And here's what I want to challenge you. In a culture that's continually and consistently resistance against the message of Jesus, you better figure out how to be a witness, even when it's uncool and unpopular. Because guess what? People need him. And people are confused. Dean sat with me all night long and people were asking, there was a bunch of people, they were like, how are you hanging out with Dean? What are you talking to Dean about? And I'd be like, tell him about Jesus. And I pray, man, I pray when I get to heaven, Dean's there. You know? And so you, this message is for you to suck it up, buttercup, and become a bold witness. Is to forget about it, face your ivories, bam! Because not everybody's really like ivory. There's a lot of people that will actually 90% of people are open to having a spiritual conversation. So let's jump into the Bible. We're going to look at a case study of Daniel. I'm going to read through this and try to give you as much as I can. I'm going to talk fast so I can get more content in. So I hope you had some coffee, maybe a Red Bull or a Monster Energy drink. And we'll go from there. Daniel chapter 1 verses 1 through 21 Um, Let me set the scene real quick. Daniel's the prophet. He lived in the 6th century, apparently, when King Nebuchadnezzar made a raid upon Judah for treasure, slave labor, brilliant, skilled young people. He helped helped lead his kingdom. This was some 500 years before the time of Jesus, so that's where we're looking, a historical book about this guy named Daniel. Daniel uh, lived in during this time frame, approximately the same period that the Mayan civilization in Mexico was booming and flourishing. And I don't know if you know this or not, but there was like this road, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but it, like, le- it was like this, this awesome road. It led all the way from Mexico, central Mexico, all the way up to Santa Fe, I think it is. Uh, uh, and so... Um, Anyway, there's just this cool things that are going on all around the world. Confucius lived at this time. Buddha lived at this time. 500 years before the time of Jesus, Daniel. He's 14 to 15 years old. He's a, he's a, he's a high school kid, like Khalid said. Young, dumb, broke high school kid. But Daniel actually had money. He came from education. He was pretty smart. Um, he was separated from his family, literally like kidnapped. I remember uh, on the first day of school, my little girl, Maya, I put her on the bus. We video it. We, we take pictures. Oh, it's her first day at school. We're so excited. And we're scared too because we're a parent, you know, and there goes our kid and what's going to happen. And, but guess what? We knew that cheese wagon was coming back to drop off our kid. So we're okay with that. What happened in, in, in Jerusalem is there was a kidnapping of hundreds of children that were the best and the brightest, and they're not coming back. Daniel's one of those. He's separated from his family. He's under stress. He's under pressure. He lives to be this old man who literally uh, is a prophet who speaks God's word to kings and advisors, to uh, all sorts of people some 69 years longer than any other prophet in the scriptures, and he uh, advises and alive during four reigns or administrations of four different kings. He's an influential guy, and so the plot thickens in this storyline. Daniel's taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. He's elevated, and he holds this key advisor role to the kings in Babylon and foreign kings. He has this unwavering commitment to his faith, 
This is why I say he's bold in Babylon. Um, He earns a lot of respect. He does some great things. Uh, He creates some religious freedom, decent jobs, communication with friends back in Jerusalem. He's a great case study, probably the best for you and me in American culture today on how to be a believer in today's times. Um, We live in an increasingly uh, 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 anti-Christian culture. And so it will be uh, uh, perhaps sporadic in states, but one day, I kid you not, I assume it will be systematic. Uh, that that the, the Christian faith, well, I don't think it'll be outlawed, but it's definitely going to be pushed far to the margins of our culture. And so it, this is a powerful case study for today's times. Being a bold witness is one of the key objectives I'm challenging you to do for this year in 2021. I told you, you need to serve a little more, and you need to be a lot more of a witness in your workplace, in your family, and your friends. Um, The world needs it. And so here's what we're going to see. Jumping into the text, we're going to go ahead and and look around. I'm I'm thumbing through my notes here, but we're going to see. Let's go into Daniel chapter 1, verses 21 through 21. In the third year of the reign, Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. Jehoiakim is a bad king. He was placed on the throne by Pharaoh of Egypt. Literally, his name means uh, Pharaoh. Uh, uh, literally, his name means Yahweh raises up, which is really interesting because God didn't raise up this king. Uh, really, uh, Pharaoh did. In other words, he's put into power by Egypt. Um, Nebuchadnezzar is this uh, mighty ruler of the Babylonian empire. And it says that he came and he besieged it. He took it over. Um, Notice what happens though. Daniel sees this as a sovereign act. Look what it says. uh, Verse two, and the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the vessels of the house of God. And he brought them to the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and placed the vessels in the treasury of his God. Um, In other words, what happened is, is that we see that God's at work in this whole thing, which is really odd in some sense, that God allows and even hands over and gives that word is that he gave Jehoiakim. That would have been Daniel's king back in Jerusalem. And you may ask the question, why? Two reasons why. Number one, the first reason why God gave over Jerusalem to Babylonian rule was because of their idolatry. That ought to be a strong warning for us in American culture. God can give over a nation, a country, if they turn towards idols. Um, The second reason why why, uh, God gave them over was because of their failure. Listen to this. Their failure to observe the Sabbath. What if, in Satan's scheme of things, he's trying to get the church just to say, forget Sunday. Forget the church. To me, what is a little alarming through this pandemic is how fast Christians abandoned the church. That is a little alarming to me. And I will admit, as a leader, we should have opened our doors a lot faster than we did. We closed our doors for too many months. Um, We had justifiable reasons, major campus development projects going on. But I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen, we'll never keep our doors closed that long ever again, no matter what happens. Um, And yeah, we went online, and yeah, the church was moving forward, and yeah, that was important. But again, 
there's some, every time I read the scriptures, I'm like, man, is this a case study of today? Is our country turning towards idols today? An idol is anything or anyone that you place in front of God. It could be money. It could be power. It could be influence. It could be image. And all of you guys are like, yeah, all those things. They, want, they t- obsess my time and my energy. Um, so notice that. God gives them over for those reasons. And then uh, verse 3, the king commanded Ashpenaz, the chief eunuch, this is a, um, a military guy who's in charge of uh, these young cadets that are coming in. He says to bring some of the people of Israel, both of the royal family and of the nobility. Verse 4, youth without blemish of good appearance and skillful in all wisdom, endowed with knowledge, understanding, learning, and competent to stand in the king's palace and to teach them literature and language of the Chaldeans. In other words, this Ashpenaz guy is going down to Jerusalem and he's got a charge to go ahead and just take all the best and the brightest back to Babylon. And it was probably a strategic power play because Babylon's saying, I'm taking over Jerusalem and guess what? I'll hold as ransom the best and the brightest of your community and your city and your, and your nation. And if you screw up, if you try to deviate from Babylonian rule, off with the head of any of these uh, young Jerusalem, any of these young Israelites. Um, so here's what we see, verse, verse 5. The king assigned them a daily portion of the food that the king ate and the wine that he drank. In other words, he's going to treat them good. Uh, they were to be educated for three years, and at the end of that time, they were to stand before the king. Among these were Daniel, Hananiah, Misael, Azariah of the tribe of Judah. And the chief of the eunuchs gave them names. Daniel, he called Belshazzar. Hananiah, he called Shadrach. Misael, he called Meshach. And Azariah, he called Abednego. Do those names sound familiar? And so what's interesting to me is literally what these these names mean to me is because uh, the names uh, mean uh, for Daniel, it means God is my judge. Um, Daniel had this holy calling in his life. He had a fear of the Lord, literally. Like, imagine that was a, kind of like a prophetic parenting move. The mom, the dad names Daniel. This means God is my judge. And so Daniel, his whole life would be taught this idea that everywhere you go, I mean, God's watching. He's, he's the ultimate judge. But that's a good place to be. I told you last week, I said, well, the greatest fear I think we have is being sick or dying in today's culture. And the greatest fear for the Christian ought to be is do we really fear the Lord? Because that's what the Proverbs say. The Proverbs tell us in the wisdom literature, tells us that the beginning, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of what? Knowledge and wisdom. You got it. So uh, listen to these names. Daniel, the the name, uh, instead of God is my judge, it was changed to Belshazzar, which means the devil's prince. So, so you got a name as a kid, meaning God is my judge. And so literally Daniel's probably courageous and brave because he's like, I don't fear you. I don't fear you. I don't, I don't care what you think about me because God is my judge. But now it's changed to the devil's prince. That's weird. That's twisted. Um, and, then, and then Hananiah means the beloved of the Lord. These are young boys that love God. They come from well-to-do families. That was changed to Shadrach, meaning illumined by the sun god. And Misael meant as who is as God. But that was changed to Meshach, which means who is like Venus. 
It's a mockery is what it is. Um, Azariah means, the name means the Lord is my help. That was changed to Abednego, meaning the servant of Nego, which is the Babylonian God. And so here's what I want to tell you folks is that Satan uses similar strategies today. And what he'll do, the chief thing that he'll do is try to get you to forget about your identity. Because if you don't know who you are, then you don't know what to do. If you don't remember that you are a son of God or a daughter of God, then you don't feel influential. You don't feel powerful. You feel weak. You feel uh, whatever the feeling of the day is. In today's times, you can self-identify as like 52 different genders or people. And now we've changed lifestyle to identity. This is what I am. This is who I am. Accept me. Endorse me. So I would say there's a satanic attack on changing the identity of the individual in today's times. And so um, this is exactly the strategic move of Nebuchadnezzar is to go, change that boy from God is my judge to the devil's prince. Change that name. Maybe that'll screw him up in the head and he'll start to follow our ways. So there's an identity attack, and Satan does that today. And then uh, notice that they're also going to appeal to the flesh, not only the identity, but to the flesh, trying to change these people. But Daniel's going to stand strong and be a bold witness in Babylon. Verse 8, but Daniel resolved. That means he, he was committed. He's not going to change. He's going to be a witness no matter what. But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or the wine that he, that, that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. And what's really interesting about this is by Jewish law, there was no prohibition against wine. I mean, even in the New Testament, Jesus' first miracle, he turns water into what? Wine. Why was Daniel not wanting to have a glass of wine? Well, you know and I know, right? When there's drinking going on late at night with a bunch of ungodly believers, that's not a good place to be. Things go south real fast. And Daniel says, I don't want anything to do with that. I'm not going to drink. I'm not going to hang out with you guys. But why does he do this? He doesn't want to eat their food either. Why would he not do that? Because under Jewish law, there was a law that says you can't eat meat sacrificed by idols. In other words, to pagan gods. So that juicy steak over there looks good, but that was sacrificed to a pagan idol. So they're taking that meat and putting it into the, to the all-you-can-eat buffet in Babylon. And Daniel says, man, hey guys, listen, bro, we can't do this. I'm not going to defile myself. I'm not going to lower myself to that. Verse 9, and God gave Daniel, watch this, favor and compassion in the sight of the chief eunuchs. He gives them favor and compassion. In verse 10, and the chief eunuch said to Daniel, listen, I fear my Lord, the king, who assigned your food and drink, for why should he see that you were in worse condition than the youths who are of your own age? So you would endanger my head with the king. What was uh, pretty uh, sick and sadistic was that uh, the ancient kings were pretty, pretty weird. Uh, they would punish people. Nebuchadnezzar was capable of this incredibly great cruelty. He once uh, murdered the sons of a king of Judah. 
But he did, he murdered the boys of this king in Judah before the king's eyes. And then he gouged out the eyes of the king and said, that's your last memory, me killing your boys. And he was sick. He was twisted. And, and, and additionally, uh, other kings and rulers literally would take Judeans and literally roast them over a fire. And, and so this guy, Ashpenaz, he has every reason in the world to say, look, man, you're jeopardizing my life. I, I don't want to mess with this. Verse 11, then, king, uh, then Daniel said to the steward, whom the chief of the eunuchs had assigned over Daniel, Hananiah, Misael, and Azariah, he said, do this, test your servants for 10 days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. I'm like, oh, that would be terrible. My wife got real creative during COVID and she decided to go vegan. I'm like, that was a bad decision, baby. <laughs> I'm like, I'm a meat and eater. So I went hunting a lot. And me and the kids were grilling in the backyard all the time. I'm like, eat this before you go inside and see your mama. <laughs> and they're just like begging me for meat, you know. And, uh, and then later I found Leslie and she wasn't quite eating all the vegetables and all the vegan thing. And so she said, you know what, Ryan? I'm plant-based. I said, oh, you're plant-based. Okay. So we went plant-based. What did you do during COVID? Like, I mean, we did some weird stuff. Like, everybody got bored and started doing new things. Um, these guys had to be a little frustrated. Daniel's hardcore. He's going all for vegetables. Uh, he, you know, uh, Jesus ate fish. There's nothing wrong with meat. I mean, come on. But they're going to do that because they don't want to eat the sacrificed food by idols. Um, they're going to eat and they're going to drink water because they don't want to drink the wine that uh, the king's getting... Uh, a little lit up, uh, getting faded late at night. And so he says, no, we're not going to do that. We're not going to hang out with them. So verse 13, here we go. Then let our appearance and the appearance of the youths who eat the king's food be observed by you and deal with your servants according to what you see. Uh, verse 14, so he listened to them in the matter and tested them for 10 days. And at the end of the 10 days, it was seen that they were better in appearance and fatter in flesh than all the youths who ate the king's food. It is possible to go on to a vegan diet and gain a little weight. So I'm like, wow, that's great. So um, just I'll, I hope that works for you. That's good. I'll watch you do it. Uh, verse 16, so the steward took away their food and the wine and, their, and the drink and gave them vegetables. If I was one of Daniel's friends, I'd be like, no, just one more sip, just one more little piece of meat. But Daniel's not going to do that. He's, he's better and brighter than I, I ever will be. Verse 17, as, for, as these four youths, God gave them what? Learning and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. God's just pouring it on. He's given them all sorts of blessings. Verse 18, at the end of the time when the king had commanded that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them before Nebuchadnezzar. Dun, 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 dun. This is the moment right here. What's going to happen? Verse 19. And the king spoke with them, and among all of them, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Misael, Azariah. Therefore, they stood before the king. And verse 20. And in every matter of wisdom and an understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them what? Ten times better than all the magicians and chanters that were in his kingdom. And Daniel was there until the first year of King Cyrus. So how do you become a bold witness in your own Babylon? I'd say there's five lessons to learn from Daniel. Number one, remember that God's sovereign over all situations. 
Daniel knows that right off the bat. He says, God gave Jehoiakim over to Babylon. This wasn't just man's doing, God's at work in all this. Whatever administration takes into power, whatever happens against our country, whatever happens in our church, whatever happens at your work, whatever happens in your personal life, no matter the mess, God's still at work. He uses all things together for the good of those who know and love Jesus. And so God's at work in this. God gave, God gave, God gave. That's what's said over and over and over again. I think what uh, Daniel uh, wants us to know, that God wants us to know, is that God's far more in control of the things that you and I think were, are out of control. Trust and remember God's sovereignty over every situation that you face. Be that bold witness. Realize that God's not out of control when, when it feels like things are out of control. Number two, be faithful in the worst of times. Most of the time, we're faithful in the best of times, but we're not faithful in the worst of times. Daniel was faithful in the worst of times. Being faithful is something that we're to be called to, even when Daniel is, is uh, tossed out uh, to the lion's den. Um, he's, he says, oh, king, I'm, I'm still here. And he still goes to work and serves with the king. My challenge to you is to be faithful in the worst of times. No matter what you find yourself in, be faithful. Be faithful. Over and over again, Daniel's that case study of just that, that, that steady leadership. And he's in a, in a very bad environment. Um, number three, I'd say get creative in the crisis. Uh, no matter what difficulty you may face, you have to be creative. And I believe that the Holy Spirit, the third person in the Trinity, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, is the one who gives us creativity to figure out what we need to do. Uh, the Bible tells us as well in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 that there's no, no, no temptation that we can't get out of. And sometimes what it takes, though, is a little creativity on how to navigate through a very, 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 very complex and difficult situation. But guess who is the king of creativity? The Holy Spirit. He's, he's the king of creativity. He can help you navigate through the challenge that you're going through, the crisis in your workplace, in your marriage, in your family. He helped Daniel figure it out. Daniel said to them, hey, guys. We're not drinking the, the king's drinks. We're not eating that meat sacrificed to idols. We're not joining that all-you-can-eat buffet. But I got, a, I got an idea. Where did this idea come from? It came from God is where it came from. And, but Daniel is diplomatic enough. He's smart enough. He's creative enough because he knows that God is his judge. He fears God. And so he says, fine, here's the deal. I know the king's law tests us for 10 days. You know what he does? He put, in a sense, he puts God on the line. God, if you, don't, if you don't show favor and compassion towards us, we're, we're sunk. I've said it before. We always uh, get nervous as Christians. Don't rock the boat. Don't rock the boat. I've got news for you. Sink the ship and pray you can walk on water. That's, that's kind of how this thing works called faith. And what you and I want to do is we need water skis to get across that water. And if we can't get a water ski, we'll just get on the tube. And you get beat up on the tube, especially if my dad's driving. I don't know. He didn't get it. Like, I'm like, those are kids over there. You know, you're going like 70 around that corner right there. Oh, did you get that on video? 
But that is their Christian life in so many ways. We, we're, we're literally told, like, when Jesus said to Peter, he said, Peter, get out of that boat. Come on. Peter jumps out. He's excited. He goes for it. He was walking on a substance he had no business doing. And you and me, we say, get the tube. I'm not doing that. So you better figure out how to get creative in the crisis as a church. We did that at some level. We did food drives when everybody was scared to gather. We, we went online and we did some videos and we got pretty good at it. I mean, it's a decent. It's not great. But it was terrible when we first started. I looked back at that. I looked like a, some cheap news uh, guy anchor, like, hey, guys, I'm Pastor Ryan there. And, you know, and uh, it was just bad, you know. But, hey, we figured out how to do it. You got to get creative in the pandemic. You parents, you, I want my kids back in school. I want my faith to be real. I want to do stuff. I, and that's important. That's always important in, in a crisis is get creative, man. Don't forget that. Number four, serve your enemies. Daniel served his enemy. Nebuchadnezzar was evil. There's wise people, foolish people, and evil people in the world. Always has been. Nebuchadnezzar was not a wise man. He was an evil man. He was not a foolish man. Foolish people don't know what they're doing, and they just keep doing stupid stuff. He was evil. And Daniel serves an evil man. And you say, I wouldn't serve an evil man. I'm with you. I wouldn't serve an evil man. That's why you're not Daniel. But Jesus said, okay, love and pray for your enemies. That's what Jesus said. Could you do that? Can you love and pray for people that are your enemies, that, that, that you don't like, that you classify? Maybe you wouldn't say they're evil, but you'd say they're foolish and, and I don't like them. Love and pray for them. I've seen uh, Christians go to war in this church with other Christians. And I'm like... If you understood Matthew 5, when Jesus says you better love your enemies, you'd be praying for them, and it'd probably change the way you engage and the way you feel when you pray for your enemies. Um, On a practical note, we ought to be seeing Democrats be praying and loving on Republicans, Republicans on Democrats, black on white, white praying and loving on blacks and police officers uh, loving and praying for black and white. And somehow we ought to be doing something at least more. And so Daniel is a bold witness in a very bad time. And I would say the church, if it's going to shine, it's going to have to figure this thing out. So we create battle lines that I don't think are intended to to go to death over. You can respectfully disagree without compromising. Daniel does that. (laughs) He says, put me to the test. Ashpenaz, the chief eunuch, is like, dude, this could cost me me my head. I could die for this. But guess what God was already doing? God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the heart of Ashpenaz. And Ashpenaz says, I'll go to bat for you fine. Sometimes we just don't, we won't wait on God to show up. So we just kind of do it ourselves. I want to challenge you, figure out how to serve your enemies. Uh, Number five, I just challenge you, rely on God to provide. That's exactly what Daniel did. He relied on God to provide. All throughout the scripture, it says that, that God gave Daniel favor, compassion. God gave Daniel wisdom and insight, like unparalleled. When I first became a Christian, I was 
capital D-U-M-B. If you can't spell that, you were just like me. Um, because I, I was an idiot uh, throughout junior high and high school. So I had a bad education. So then I want to go to college because I just met Jesus and my dad told me I'd be a loser if I didn't get my act together. And he was right. So I said, okay. So I'm going to college and I took the test and I took it like three times because I couldn't get in because I was capital D-U-M-B. Now I can spell. Um, so anyway, I go to college and I pray for a miracle. I say, God, I, I, I feel really bad. I, I, these people are like educated people. I'm from Arkansas, Lord, no. Um, but I go to a business college and I uh, wanted to, to, to do business and I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I prayed for a miracle. And on Friday nights, all my friends are partying just down the road. And they all made fun of me because I'm no longer like one of them. And I had zero friends, ladies and gentlemen, zero. The only friend I had was Jesus. And uh, that was about it for a good while. And so it gave me a great opportunity to rekindle relationships with my family. And I did, reconciled those and led my brother to Jesus and some of his friends. But I was dumb. And uh, so I pray for a miracle. And literally, God just says, go to work. And so I go to work and I study because I felt like God was calling me to do that. And then that point on, I moved forward with the dean's list in college. And I was a, probably the, the first one to class and the last one to leave. And it was the annoying guy on the front row asking 100 questions. Because I'm like, I didn't get this in junior high. <laughs> I need help. And I made friends with all the study nerds, you know. I'm like, you're smart. You're with me. I'll buy you lunch, you know. Um, so I did that, and, and God did that. And I think for you, and you feel inadequate, you feel unqualified to be a witness, I'm just going to tell you, rely on God to provide for your life. Let Him be your favor. Let Him change and give you wisdom and insight like you've never had before. This is really cool stuff called Christianity. Literally, you'll meet people, they're young, and that's why Paul said to Timothy, hey, Timothy, don't let anybody look down on you because of your age. Have you not seen it before where you see a young man or a young woman, and you're like, you're just beyond your years. You, like, God's at work. This is cool. Um, rely on God to provide. Be that bold witness. I want to invite uh, Pastor Ellis up. Um, he's a godly, good man, and he's in a season of transition. Ellis, would you come to the stage? There you are. Um, you guys give him a huge welcome. Um, we're going to have to rely on God to provide because um, he is rotating off of our paid pastoral staff, and he's going to move into a community uh, 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 pastoral role, though, kind of like a missionary on behalf of North Valley um, as a chaplain. And you're going to finish up some schooling, right? Got a lot of schooling to finish up. So you probably don't need as big a miracle as I needed, which is good. But um, we need to be praying for you and your education endeavors. And you're going to finish that out. And then, uh, am I right? You're going to be a, a chaplain for Phoenix PD and fire and then serving in the hospitals? Correct. That's, That's correct, yes. And so this is, yeah, this is awesome. So... In a, in a time where we've got to be a bold witness, like, I'm like, go for it, buddy. And, and wear North Valley all over it. If you get in trouble, just say, sorry, I'm from North Valley, you know. So 
So just tell them all about Jesus. I know that that can be challenging in, in today's time, even as a chaplain, you know, and so we're excited about that. So I want to invite uh, Elder Steve and Andy to join us on stage, and we're going to together as a church commission uh, Pastor Ellis. This will continue to be his church home. He and his wife, uh, Laura, uh, they're going to continue to be a part of this church, and we're excited and thankful for that. And uh, she's been a huge inspiration for Ellis to move forward in this light. And so we're going to commission our first kind of community pastor as a church. And uh, you're going to visit different services just to say hi to folks, that's over, right. that's, which is good. I told him, I said, say hi to everybody. Yeah. Yeah. So that's really cool. So Andy, would you, would you pray for Ellis today? Absolutely. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, uh, we're just so thankful for Ellis, Lord. Thank you for bringing them here to North Valley and for all that he's done in uh, his time and his role as pastor here. Uh, we just ask right now for your blessing as he moves forward, as he's, as he's going to uh, go and serve those that serve our community, Lord. Uh, be with him. We ask for your special protection over him and uh, just bless him in all that he does. Father, we thank you for this man. We love this man, are grateful for every uh, uh, ounce of time that we've had together and how he's transformed the culture of our guest services team and made this campus just be its, at its best. And we love him and we commission him today uh, to go into the city uh, to share and show the love of Christ in secular atmospheres and to be that bold witness for you, Jesus. And it's an honor and a privilege to continue to partner in ministry. We pray, we pray for favor over this man's life. We pray for extra wisdom and knowledge to get through the, the difficult education process. And we thank you, God, ahead of time that when we trust you, we're always walking in the best ways. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Let's give. Thank you for listening. To become a supporter of North Valley Community Church, Give today at northvalleychurch.org.